Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, September 21st, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. Third time's the charm on this banter thing That's here, James. Right. But uh, <laughs> I do want to mention two things. First up today, Friday, the original Broadway cast recording of Pretty Woman, the musical, will be released. So congratulations to everybody um, who was a part of that. And congratulations to three of our biggest fans, three people who live and die by today on Broadway, Daniel Radcliffe, Cherry Jones, and Bobby Cannavale, mm. as they began previews of the new play, The Lifespan of a Fact, over at Studio 54 last night. I'm sure they are really appreciating the fact that we're releasing these episodes uh, the night before now, because after coming home from the theater, they're going to want to listen because they aren't going to get up. They're theater people. They're not going to get up early to catch the news. So I'm sure that they appreciate um, that move that you're making, James. And then finally, just for the few Venn diagram folks out there, um, I, I, as some of you know, I write for an Ohio State athletics website as well. I'm one of the co-managing editors over there, which doesn't really mean a whole lot because it's just a little blog. We post four or five articles a day. But I wrote an article that was released on Thursday that is I'm proud of. People are giving me a lot of grief over it, but it was it was a bit of satire about this trend in sports where there's turnover props, where people wear chains when they create a turnover. They sit on a throne. If you want something that I think is funny and people have been upset at me for, I'll throw a link into the show notes if you want to check that out. Hmm. I'm looking forward to that. That should be fun. Yeah. They, I love Ohio State. And I love Ohio State fans, but they take themselves way too seriously. Uh, it's your it's your religion, you know, football. <laughs> yes, it is. So, uh, yeah, Thursday night, um, you, you know, Cherry Jones Broadway Bowling League over at uh, over at the, Oh, really? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. I don't know anything about this. Oh, you don't know the Broadway Bowling League? I do not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. After uh, the softball's done, they it's probably too early for Broadway Bowling League right now. It's kind of more of a winter thing. All right. So, yeah. After show, you know, midnight. It used to be over at uh, over at Port Authority when Port Authority had a bowling lane. Uh, I don't know where it is now. I think it's downtown. Anyway, first up in the news, roundabout to bring a starry All My Sons revival to Broadway this spring. Seriously, James, this one appears to be no joke. As yesterday, the Roundabout Theater Company announced that they would be bringing Arthur Miller's classic play about a family in post-war war post. World War II America back to Broadway this spring, starring none other than Tony winning actor and Tony winning playwright Tracy Letts, alongside the legendary Oscar and Tony nominated actress Annette Bening in her first Broadway role since 1987's Coastal Disturbances. Also, that was her Broadway debut. The show will be directed by Gregory Mosher, who won Tony's for producing the 1988 Anything Goes and 1989 Our Town as the director of Lincoln Center Theater. He didn't direct those shows, but he was the Anyway, he was the director of Lincoln Center Theater. Um, the show will play the American Airlines Theater with performances beginning on April 4th, and the limited engagement is scheduled to run through June 23rd. This is a big honking deal. Now, James, though, in spring of 2017, there was a West End revival of The Glass Menagerie and a Broadway revival of The Glass Menagerie. In spring of 2019, there will be a West End revival of All My Sons and a Broadway revival of All My Sons. Who starred in the Broadway Menagerie? Sally Field, who was starring in the West End, All My Sons, Sally Field. I don't really have a point in bringing this up at all. I just thought it was interesting. Um, I don't think there's any sort of uh, Illuminati conspiracy going on here. I just thought it was interesting. (laughs) 
So uh, when I heard this uh, news this morning and I texted you right away, uh, I thought, you know, I my question to you was, does this make it under the Tony Awards deadline or do they push back the Tony Awards deadline to get this in? Well, we, we don't know that yet, do we? No, we don't. And we talked about this with, man, I forget which show it was off the top of my head. Another show that recently announced but appears to kind of be waiting to the very last um, yeah. thing is is probably – this is – I'm going to my April calendar here. The 22nd is a Monday. The, the, the deadline is probably going to be that uh, that Thursday, the 25th, it's Beetlejuice that's going to be opening on the 25th. So this is probably a few days ahead of the Tony nomination deadline. They haven't announced those dates yet, but unless they completely change the schedule from how it has been in recent years, this will be about four days before the deadline actually comes. Uh, well, I just was blown away when I saw this. Uh, Annette on, on, Benning. Yeah, Annette Benning. That's awesome. That's crazy. Well, and we've talked about this before, James. This season is so overflowing with really interesting plays, both in terms of uh, new shows and revivals. Uh, it really is. A, I can't remember a season that it has been so play heavy and kind of light. I mean, there's some interesting things going on with musicals, and I think there'll still be some more announced. But this really is a season of plays. It really is. Uh, and, you know, the roundabout theater company and uh, people just pulling the stops out here. I mean, writing the checks. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Well, and what's interesting about this is, James, you know, we've heard so much discussion about the producers behind King Kong not wanting to bring in Moulin Rouge because they didn't want to have to compete mm -hmm. against themselves. What's probably going to happen, unless we get a couple more musical revivals announced, this All My Sons is probably probably going to compete with Kiss Me Kate for best revival because they're going to put all the plays and musicals into one category. Oh. So there's a very good chance that Roundabout could have two of the five nominations in this category come June or whenever the uh, the actual Tony ceremony is. And just think about this. Uh, a couple of years from now, we'll have a new Tracy Let's Play about being in All My Sons with Annette Benning. <laughs> Very well good. Very well good. <laughs> All right. And, then, and 16 people are going to play Tracy Let's in it. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it, it really took me a couple of years to realize that Tracy was a man. So uh, <laughs> anyway, what do we have in the recommendations? Okay, we've got three things, and this one came in right as we were getting ready to start. So I'm going to kind of read from American Theater. Last night, they released their top 20 most produced playwrights of the 2018-2019 season, and top of the list is Lucas Hnath with 33 productions. He is ahead of last year's most produced playwright, Lauren Gunderson, who has 29. Interestingly enough, she was number one last year with 27. So she actually picked up two produ productions around the country for this season, despite moving back uh, a spot in the top 20. Um, following them is uh, Dominique Moriso, Lynn Nottage, Karen Zacharias, Kate Hamill, Paula Vogel, Lisa Crone, Simon Stevens, August Wilson, Sarah DeLapp, Ken Ludwig, Brandon Jacobs Jenkins, Jen Silverman, Christina Hamm, Endo Walsh, Tennessee Williams, Bess Wall, Duncan McMillan, and Sam Shepard. As always, American Theater does not include any 
productions of A Christmas Carol, despite who the playwright might be, or anything by Shakespeare, because that would pretty much be at the top of every list. Shakespeare, in fact, has 96 productions of his shows uh, being slated at the theaters that it surveyed, uh, A Midsummer a Night's Dream, and As You Like It, each have nine productions apiece. Stephen Sondheim, who had been briefly dethroned last season by Alan Menken, returns this year as the most produced musical theater writer with 16 composing credits and five lyric writing credits in the season. Um, Interestingly enough, and I think something that is really telling about the state of regional theater and how it is trying to be a little bit more inclusive, this year's 11 most produced plays include work by nine female playwrights and two female composers, opposite three male playwrights, a historic margin for this list. While the 20 most produced playwrights comprises 11 women and nine men, what's more, there are six playwrights of color on the playwrights list, the most diverse it's ever been. So... I think that if you tried to encapsulate what the American theater looked like in 2018, 2019, both from the quality of the content that's being put out and to the diversity of the people that is creating that work, this list is a wonderful example of what theater is being done across the country. Not so much what theater is being done on Broadway, but what theater is being done across the country. And I think it's incumbent on those power brokers and and people that make the decisions and put up the big bucks in New York to say, look, this is stuff that gets done across the country and people go see it. They will probably come and see it in New York as well. So it's time to kind of look at some of these people that are getting done across a, a bunch across the country and give them the opportunities that they have not yet been afforded on a Broadway stage. This is uh, quite the list. If, if you are someone who is uh, curating and looking to produce uh, Great theater. These are two wonderful lists to start with, focusing on the playwrights and the top 10 shows. Uh, this is just uh, Sarah Jalap uh, with 13 in there. She's she's in 11th place with 13 productions. Yeah. And uh, right next to August Wilson and Ken Ludwig and Brenda Jacobs, uh, Jacobs Jenkins and... What a list. This is great. Yeah. But uh, Lucas Hanath, you know, did that whole NASCAR pass over Lauren Gunderson, you know. She <laughs> he was, was, dra- he was, was drafting behind her. I was just going to say that. <laughs> and yeah. Swapping her. paint. Swapping yeah. paint on the way up to number one. But, yeah, so that's very cool. We'll have a link in the show notes, obviously. Um, but, uh, James, there's a couple other recommendations I want to give you. Yeah. Um, first up, there was uh, Once on This Island released a music video of the recording session for Mama Will Provide. Really cool. Um, so take a look at that. But the one I want to talk about the most is apparently Taryn Killam, a star of Saturday Night Live and former King George III on Broadway in Hamilton. He stopped by his friend Seth Meyers' late night talk show and did some impressions, talked about doing karaoke, blah, blah, blah. It was really good. But they started talking about a certain sketch that he had once pitched at Saturday Night Live that apparently had gotten all the way to dress rehearsal before being cut. <laughs> this is the dumbest concept for a sketch I've ever heard, but I love it. So apparently he, the, the concept of this sketch was that the great musical theater, British star Murray head hmm. of one night in Bangkok, the yep. original Judas and Jesus Christ superstar concept album. He had been given a talk show, but he only spoke in the, uh, the rhythm and pattern of the opening 
of One Night in Bangkok. So that was how he spoke. And apparently he was interviewing Dolph Lundgren, who was played by one of the Hemsworth brothers who was on the show. And he gives a little bit of an example. It's great. I'll have a video or I'll have a, I'll have a link to a video in the show notes. If you want to get to the Murray head part, it's the first video in there. And it starts about 345. It's very, very funny. It's very good. He also does a great shaggy impression to open up that first video. But Taron Killam doing great stuff on, on screen, but would love to get him back on Broadway soon. That's very funny. All right. What else do you have? Okay. Yesterday, it was announced that the legendary two-time Tony winner Judy Kay will be replacing Mary Beth Peel as the Dowager Empress in the Broadway production of Anastasia beginning on September 28th. And speaking of legends, the National Yiddish Theater Folk Spain announced yesterday that Joel Gray's Yiddish production of Fiddler on the Roof has extended again. This time, it will play through November 18th at the Museum of Jewish Heritage. And James, with this extension, I think I'm going to need to figure out how to see this one when I'm in town. Sticking with the theme of legends and extensions on Thursday, the Public Theater announced that they had extended Mother of the Maid, starring Glenn Close, for one final time, adding three weeks to the run. The show will now play through December 23rd, and previews start next Tuesday. Not an extension, but kind of similar. Yesterday, it was announced that the Irish Repertory Theater would bring back The Dead 1904 for the third consecutive holiday season. Directed by Irish Rep's co-founder, Kieran O'Reilly, the show will run for eight weeks only with previews beginning on November 17th and running through January 13th. No cast has been announced yet, but they always do seem to find a couple stars to lead that show. And finally, James, on Friday, a lot of Hufflepuffs had their dreams come true as it was announced that a soundtrack, and I believe I'm safe in calling it a soundtrack. Robbie, let me know if not. Mm -hmm. Uh, The soundtrack from Harry Potter and the Cursed Child will be released on November 2nd. I don't actually think it's a soundtrack, actually, because it was not, the, the music's a little remastered, but it's close enough to a soundtrack. Anyway, reading from the press release, quote, the music of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is written, composed, performed, and recorded by Grammy Award winner Imogen Heap. It is presented as four contemporary musical suites. Each show showcasing one of the play's theatrical acts. This unique new album format chronologically features the music heard in the stage production, further reworked to transport listeners on a sonic journey through the world of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Now, uh, usually, James, when I go on a sonic journey, I get a cherry limeade with grape and vanilla and a hot dog, but (laughs) that's just me. Uh, Anyway, anyway, you can pre-order. You guys don't have sonics up there in New York, do you? No, we Um, do. Okay, good. Uh, Anyway, you can pre-order the album from Sony Masterworks, and we will have a link in the show notes. In fact, if you would like any information on all of these stories, you can check out the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com. All right. So um, we have created yet another Venn diagram, uh, NASCAR Broadway overlap. So (laughs) I am not in that overlap. I do not know NASCAR. Well, if you're a listener that has a NASCAR affiliation or liking and a Broadway uh, liking, let us know on Facebook and Twitter. Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as you said, at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Friday with us. And on Sunday is This Week on Broadway with Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. And uh, Matt and I will be back and talk with you on Monday. Mm-hmm.